to Queer Alien Blast. Today we'll be talking about Michael Guerin, but before we dive into that, we just wanted to do uh, say a little quick congratulations to all the um, cast and crew for the season four renewal. Yay, we're gonna be doing <laughs> this forever. <laughs> we're never gonna be free. We're never gonna, yeah, we're never gonna be free. We're They're gonna get us for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, let's dive into Michael Guerin. Um, 2.0. Right, so I know by now, I think everyone listening to us knows that we're not really, we don't have the best memory for what happened in the season. Let's put it like that. Because um, none of us were watched the season. So we're really prepared, really professional. Um, but I think, if I remember correctly, that um, Michael's big points in season two were finding out more about his mom and up until the half of season two at least, um, saving Max, right? And dealing with the emotions about that and all of that. The second half of season two, I have no idea. I really would like to tell everyone, actually, I'm going to completely expose Mick for what it says in our outline for this, because all she said is, what the fuck even is the plot of season two? And really, we could just end the episode there. What the fuck even is the plot of season two? We could just end the podcast and then be like, we'll come back in season three. Like, that's all we have to say, because who knows there was 5,000 plots for season two and also no plots for season two. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, like, as a general character thoughts for Michael in season two, um, we'll obviously get more in depth. In general, my thought for season two, Michael, is mostly in his relationships, I guess. He felt like two different characters at times, um, and I, I'm not that sure that it was intentional. Well, and I think, I, I'd like to think, we'll just assume the show has just so much depth and they thought mm-hmm. this through, that it really kind of makes sense to me if it's intentional. If it's unintentional, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but if it's intentional, it makes sense that he is going to have less trauma and less drama I hate rhyming but with Maria I mean they don't have you know they have a more light-hearted background mm-hmm. so he is going to open up quicker I think with I mean it's just it's not tied together in all this like pain and you know all this time and all of this like he is with Alex again assuming that that's even intentional mm-hmm. it well, kind of makes sense well, and it kind of seems like a lot of times in the scenes with Maria, and I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, I feel like a lot of times it's Michael trying to be who Michael thinks he should be. Mm-hmm. You know, who he should be in a relationship with Maria. And especially once they get together, like what she's looking for more than who he actually is as a person. Yeah, I think we've touched on this um, discussing season one, Michael, that... Um, with a lot of characters, is a lot of different things with different characters. You know, he's he presented as a certain type of person with, say, Max, and then he preser- presents as a, as a different person, not necessarily in, in all aspects, but as a different person for, say, Isabel or Alex. So I think he has a lot of masks in that sense. Well, it, um, and that's what you do when you have an abusive childhood, though. You learn right. what masks yeah. to wear to what people and what time. So, I mean, it makes sense that we're going to see different sides of him. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on the situation and who he's with. I don't think right. he, no, you know, I, I, I don't. And I think that he is a little bit guarded when it comes to Alex, but I also think he's far more vulnerable in a different sense than he is with anyone else. But then he's also a different kind of vulnerable with Maria. I don't want to discount either types of Michael's vulnerability with anyone and also with Isabel and also with Max. I think he just, you just, you you fully see, you know, like four completely different sides of Michael. Yeah. 
throughout the entire season. Now, I don't think any of those were followed through with, hence why it, it still feels a little shallow sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, the potential was there for a more in-depth look into his psyche. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the trauma. <laughs> so as we've said countless times by now in the recaps, Season two was just like, we just added layers to the cake that is Michael's trauma and Michael's shitty little life. Um, So we had the flashbacks. I think most of it comes from what was season one and then the flashbacks that we got in season two. So we have um, Michael getting to Roswell and the little scene that we have with when he first meets Isabel and, and Max. And, you know, learning that he... Um, pushed Alex away the summer that they were together and then Alex left and then obviously the whole thing with Sanders and you know the non-adoption and all of that and I'm just like give this guy a break Jesus I mean point it's it's just trauma porn I mean it's just I mean what more could we do to Michael and there's other, you know, you could say kind of the same thing about Alex to a certain extent. You know, you could say the same thing about some other characters, but mm, I don't think that it's arguable that, I mean, Michael has traumatic event after traumatic event all the time. And he continues to have them because he finds out new things about his mother and about his past. And, you know, now what are we going to do in the future? Is it going to be about his dad? Like, what else are we going to put him through without any resolution to it. Now, you could argue there's some resolution here, you know, whatever, but I don't know. I, I at, at this point, it just feels like trauma for trauma's sake. Yeah, like, just let's find every possible way we can make Michael suffer, which, you know, it's been decades since I watched the original Waswell, but I feel like that was the case with the original Michael, too. Like, Michael's just the character that suffers. And is it, it because Blamus is so pretty when he cries? Is that what you yeah. think? I mean, I yeah, that's <laughs> so I'm gonna blame all of this on Michael Blamus because if Obviously. he just didn't look so like he has the tears just shivering, if he didn't just pull that off so well, maybe they would just give him a break. I don't know. So, <laughs> being good at your job, Michael Blamus, yeah. being so pretty. I'm also thinking like with the few things that we got of his childhood, there's still so much. I want to say this quote-unquote potential in how much trauma he has in his childhood. Like, even the, the things that he just barely mentioned and we didn't see. I was like, okay, are we ever going to talk about the fact that he was exercised when he was 11? Like, but are we ever going to talk about the fact that he slept on the couch? Like, when he was, you know what I mean? Like, all these things were just casually sprinkling in there, like, yeah. fucking flavoring. What? But this is another thing that on on the show where they have, it seems like they have a checklist of social justice issues, whatever, like things that they want to check off and say, hey, look at the representation we have. And uh, child abuse in the foster system requires a little more depth and sensitivity and nuance than I think this show is capable of. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that was one of my points in note. And it's also like how well do they actually deal with the trauma that they present us with? Um, and not, I'm not even talking about the, the things that they just mentioned, like say the exorcism, the you know sleeping on the couch. Um, even those aside, like the big things that we do see, like the hand healing, which I know is a big point for us. I mean, for me at least. Um, losing his mom right in front of his eyes. Um, all of these things that we do see and even like the shed scene in the first place like how well do we act do they actually deal or let Michael deal not even as a show but as Michael as a character how well do they actually well, they don't they don't but... well they don't um and also to go a little bit back further back when you're talking about Michael's sexuality mm-hmm. this is I don't really have a cohesive thought so this is going to come out as just like word vomit what I'm not understanding and what I'm not getting from the show is the main, you know, antagonist when it comes to Michael and Alex's sexuality is Jesse. Mm-hmm. We've seen no other evidence other than Alex telling us that he's uncomfortable in season two that there has been any 
other situations in the town in the small town okay. that came to their sexuality Hi. does that make sense well i mean yes i guess but that doesn't really explain michael i guess and it's and it, again we're asking a lot of a show that only has 13 episodes how many flashbacks can you really do what else can you really show mm-hmm. but i've always been sort of waiting for really a glimpse into not letting Jesse be the representation of all homophobic people everywhere, because that's a very much an extreme, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, what about the more subtle, you know, instances of homophobia that they would experience in Roswell? Um, again, I mean, I, that's just wishful thinking, but I kind of feel like that would bolster how they both feel about their sexuality a lot more than just letting Jesse be that, you know, monolithic, thing hanging over their heads so if I you know that's all I would want to see is like what what brought this fear to both of them or this uncomfortableness or whatever other than just Jesse like if there was add some more meat to it well and I mean I was lucky enough to grow up in a, a bigger city in the south but a lot of times it's not the overt homophobia that you see from Jesse it's the microaggressions that's what I mean. The, yeah, that's yeah. It's the little comments never... that yeah. It's, it's the little things that make you feel unsafe in being who you are, and it's not this outright dramatic, you know, like people in your face calling you slurs, and it, it's more subtle than that. But I would like to see it. I don't think we're well, going to. Well, and the, but... this this the vision of this town that they've painted is so very odd because. We get Alex telling us that it's like a small town and he doesn't feel comfortable around the cowboys, which makes sense. But then they have a gay bar? They have a gay bar. That's what which doesn't Which doesn't mean anything because you can have a gay bar and still ha- gay bars don't eradicate homophobia. But they indicate that there's enough people, either queer people or people comfortable with the you know queer community to go to this bar to keep it in business to be very busy <laughs> that may be because roswell's a tourist trap it may be a little different from your typical small town no, i'm just trying to imagine this but i mean i i've you know I've, I've lived in small towns that had tour it's just it's just an odd city or town that they've sort of built here that they you know because i don't actually think that that's mm-hmm. i don't know anything about roswell the actual city i don't know anything about i don't i have my mom's been i haven't been i don't know anything about it um but it's just very odd because it's like small towns small towns in the united states do not have gay bars or they are not known like it's not overtly yeah. as a gay bar right like you yeah. can you can have bars where okay you know this we, this is sort of an unspoken you know rule of who mm-hmm. comes here but it's like that is very there was no hiding that like that's where they are so it's just it's just an odd and again that's what I, sometimes I'm like with Michael and Alex and all of it I'm like I want to see that part I want to see them mm-hmm. explore that part as an adult I don't know but that circles back to that we've talked about this before where you know when Forrest wanted Alex to, you know, be comfortable kissing him in a bar full of cowboys or whatever he said. And what is out? And I mean, I know that they kissed at the at the pony at the end of the season and that that's great. That's fantastic. But you spent two seasons talking about how homophobic and closed minded and conservative this town is. And you're going to have Alex and Forrest kissing in the middle of what is presumably the bar in town in front of everybody and are we just going to act like everybody's magically okay with that when we've had all this leading up saying that they've had to deal with this fear and this homophobia for since they were teenagers right and also what i'm thinking is um it doesn't even have to be like you don't have to be out or people don't have to be in the know of your sexuality to do like microaggressions and stuff like that like i'm just thinking Anna Gatsby and Nanette said this, that when you're, you know, when you grow up in a homophobic society, when you do eventually get to a point where you're comfortable being out or telling people or whatever, externalizing it, you're already homophobic. So, um, so that's kind of the route I'm thinking of more of with Michael specifically, um, because with Alex, we saw it. Um, I mean, we saw, him deal with Jesse, we saw him talk about it, and with Michael, he never, I mean, he self-identifies, which is the thing, 
But other than that, he doesn't really talk about it. But we well, get back to that. You don't have to talk about it. I mean, it, it, he's already yeah. verbalized yeah, it. But if you're in a show. Right, but, but that's what I'm saying. I guess, you know, in a, it, it's easy to think of it as like, well, he's verbalized it, you know, we don't and, and I'm a big I am a big proponent of once you verbalize it that's all the proof not the, the proof in air quotes that's all you have to do you just have to if you identify as bisexual or whatever it may be mm-hmm. you don't have to bring receipts to people and like prove it um, but I do think unfortunately that's a double-edged sword because when you have representation of a group of people who don't get a lot of positive representation you do have to sort of show it a little bit more in nuance which i mean they do they show him existing as a person who has interest in men and women and we don't you know it doesn't have to be hit over the head with a frying pan like we get it we see it you know i'm i'm just i just you know again hopes for season three would be a little bit more of a letting michael move past trauma and be very comfortable with himself or a lot more comfortable with himself and and you know i don't know i just and I don't know that it necessarily has to be overt or if it can be subtle. I just want Michael to be able to be himself and be happy with whatever that means. And I agree completely with you that you don't you don't have to have proof, you don't have to have receipts. Saying that you are whatever you identify as is enough. End of story. In a TV show, when representation is so necessary, I would like to see something a little more over it we've seen okay we've seen him with Alex we've seen him with Maria we've seen him kind of flirt with other girls I would like to see him I would like to see him flirt with someone who's not Alex a man who's not Alex and not because I not because I think it's you know you have to prove it or whatever but because it, it because that representation is important and there's a lot of we're probably have to cut this out there's a lot of people in this fandom who say that he's not queer enough because he was with Maria Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? No, we're gonna leave this in because I'm gonna say this right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this as a blanket blanket fucking statement. If the only man Michael is ever with is Alex, he's still fucking queer. He's still mm-hmm. bisexual. He could mm-hmm. literally never speak to another man. He could never flirt with another man. He could never look at another man in in a sexual way. He's still fucking queer. There's no tally. You don't have to, okay, well, I've dated a, a male. Now I have to date a female. No, mm-hmm. now I've got to date a male. That's not how it fucking works at all. I blanket fucking statement. You can come and argue with me all you want. Michael is queer. It doesn't matter what he does, who he does, how he does it. That's it. No, and I absolutely agree. I agree but with that. I agree. What, I know <laughs> what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. I'm just saying is anyone that says he's not queer enough can just mm-hmm. fuck right off because that does that doesn't mean anything and also and also i'm following this podcast because i think that's our like our opinion as a, as a podcast as, as bisexual women so but anyway that was a tangent it sure was um but we'll get back to it because we do have um, a sexuality um so no we don't think that they dealt with this trauma is the sum of it um, what I do want to talk about next is how they dealt with it. So the, the little things that they did do in the show to deal with it. So we did get a confrontation with Jesse this season, uh, very late in the season. Hey, but it happened. I had to really think about it. That's how long it's been. I was like, did he, did he did? But he, he did. did. You're, he did. He's a loose end. If we got him back from Flint, you were going to kill him. You are barely human! Ooh, when I was a kid, I thought maybe because my high IQ, my, my species was superior to yours. And I fell in love with your son. And I didn't feel superior anymore. I am angry. And smashing things, it's easy. Alex has evolved past that. He's past you. And he's past me, despite you. You slapping him around, shoving that mains man crap down his throat. He still loves. He even loves you. You don't deserve to call him your son. Um, and actually did it beautifully for how late it happened and how little screen time it was. And I'm always going to want there to be more. I'm always going to be like, no, 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 go back. We need to, there's other things you need to say. Um, I think that what we got was fucking brilliant. Like, 
uh, Michael at least got to let some of his rage out and some of his like and it wasn't the kind of rage I thought he was going to let out like it wasn't he he said some things I didn't think that he was going to say I didn't think he was going to take that time to like defend Alex or Mm -hmm. or you know what I mean it wasn't about him oh this is what I love oh my god it wasn't about himself it wasn't like a fuck you look what you did to me look what you you know whatever not really it was more like we exist, in, you know, in spite of you, and like did like the fucking this, like that's what it was. It was more of like a Alex is still an awesome person no matter what you did, and I yeah I I will I do like that. It was well done for Roswell. I wish maybe they'll prove me wrong in season three. I think it was a mistake to kill Jesse this early because there needed to be more of that, more scenes like that for for Michael for Alex. Because I think that it was super, I think it pushed Michael's character forward. And, and Jesse was Jesse was just such a good villain. I was about to say, say it with me, yeah. Jesse's a good villain. He was a good villain. You don't kill a good villain. I don't, I don't think so. At least not that early on. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, tying in with the dealing with Jesse thing is, which in my mind is like directly connected to Michael's hand because of the shed scene. Um, it's Michael's hand. Which... Did they cover it? I mean, they no. they they wrapped a bandana around it and called it a day. I I then let him not wear the bandana at the end when Alex is singing, but then not. But I'm pretty sure that was an accident rather than on purpose. They didn't really focus on it. So yeah, they didn't focus. It. You have to, I, you have to take a screenshot and zoom in to see that he's not wearing it. So it's not on purpose, or they would have, you know, it would have been a lot more. But it tracks because this show has a history of like super problematic consent issues and then just never addressing it. So ooh, let's do an unpopular opinion. Yeah. I don't like the way that Alex talked to Michael about his hand. When we were kids, you believed people were good despite humanity doing everything to prove you otherwise. And God, I loved you for it. But what was charming when we were 17, it's just, it's just stupid now. How do you not see that? <clears throat> you believe there's some good in your father. Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. God forbid I have faith in people who don't give me a good reason to. That's not fair. No? No. Why is your hand covered? You miss your injury because you want to hurt. Your anger made you feel safe. I will always hate my father for what he did to you, but I, I don't want to live in that tool shed for the rest of my life. I don't want to walk around thinking that people don't change, that one day everyone's just gonna let me down because I'm not building a damn rocket ship in a hidden lair. There's one way for me off of this planet and I need to believe in a reason to stay. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that was very fair. I don't think uh, Michael had long-term chronic pain, a, a life-changing disability. To lose that overnight without consent must fuck with your entire sense of self, how you exist in the world, how you deal with things. You never he never got to deal with it with Max because that was just forgiven, whatever, fine. Um and so I don't think Alex sort of throwing it back in Michael's face, telling him why he wants his hand, you know, why his, his issues with his hand is very fair. Now, is that realistic with how you argue with someone that you love? Sometimes you get a little too personal, you get a little too, yeah. I mean, it's a great scene, don't get me wrong. But I just think this show has not acknowledged how important and life-changing what they did with Michael's hand is. And I, I think at this point they're never going to. And I think at this point they're letting Michael's hand and his disability and the healing of it just exist for something completely different than what it is. So I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I think it's too late now. I don't think he's ever, I don't think it's ever going to be any different. Well, and how are you going to have the other disabled character who, if anybody knows how Michael's feeling, it's gonna be Alex, because Alex was not only there for when it happened, but he's disabled himself. He, you know, he lost his leg in a very traumatic way 
if anybody's going to be understanding, it's him. And it just didn't make it didn't make sense to me. I have a few opinions about that scene. Um, first of all, I don't necessarily think that what Alex said was wrong. I think as a character analysis, it's a good character analysis. It's just rude. I don't think, I, I think it's, if you don't really, this is going to sound very harsh. I, I feel like, and maybe, you know, maybe I need to rewatch the scene. It feels like something you say purposefully to hurt someone. And it's a very shallow understanding of what Michael is and what Michael went through. Right. Now, in the heat of the moment, when you're arguing, I can understand that that's the things that you would say. I do get that. And I don't think Alex actually thinks that about Michael. Maybe he does. I don't know. There's a lot of history there. Who the fuck knows? But I don't think that it takes into account all of who Michael is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily wrong. I don't think it's, I don't think it's in depth enough. I don't think it's, yeah. I think it's sort of missing the forest for the trees. Like it's, yes, you may be right in some ways, but there's a lot more to it than just that. Right. I just think um, he, um, Alex, I mean, um, he kind of, he did get one of Michael, Michael's many coping mechanisms, right? Um, but it's just part of how Michael deals with, and has been forced, I think, to deal with his trauma. Um, because if you think about the other part of, like, my opinion on the hand healing stuff, is that obviously... The show didn't cover or whatever. Michael didn't let himself hash it out with Max or he didn't want to bring it up, whatever. However you want to, you know, have a backstory for that in your mind is that the, the show didn't cover it. So, you know, I think that in, in, with his path, Michael is, has been forced to find coping mechanisms that aren't healthy because he didn't have anyone to teach him to you know maybe do this in, instead of that and you know the people that he hit he did have were either actively against him at times like max was you know and then or we do have you know the other person that was there that is visible is kind of you know traumatized you know in a whole different way and has a whole different way of coping with it um so it's not going to be a lot of help, I think. And then Alex is a lot of, you know, another box entirely. Well, and also answer, answer this question for me. The assumption that Michael, this characterization that we all have of Michael as this sort of, that one of his coping mechanisms is anger, right? That's kind of what everyone says. Prove that to me. Right. Because they tell us that. We see it with Wyatt, who deserved it. <laughs> okay. He kicked the ass of a racist. I'm okay with that. That's a good kind of anger. He's shown, you know, um, some anger, I guess, towards Max. But again, I would say that that's mostly justified. There was, there's some hypocrisy, some issues between them. Max, you know, there's a lot there. I could see that. So where, is, where else is this anger? Where else do we see it? Because I don't, I'm having a hard time. Against Jesse? Okay. Yeah. Being a little shit is his coping me mechanism, not anger. He likes to he likes to prod people. He likes to be sarcastic. He likes to really get on people's nerves, as a way to sh prove you know lots of things. But also, how far can I push them until they walk away? But whatever, we won't go there. But I want to really have everyone in fandom and everyone really confront this idea that they have that Michael is an angry, violent person. I think anger is a valid point for Michael. I don't think violence is a valid part of that character analysis, if you will. I would say to me, and the way that I would do it, is bitterness. Yes. A, a deep sense of maybe some, I mean, I would definitely say some anger, but I would say that at the heart of it, it, that anger has sort of manifested into a deep bitterness towards other people, towards humanity, towards, you know, any sort of relationship and any of that i would definitely say he's a bitter person i would not necessarily say he's an angry person i guess because when i think of angry i think of someone with a short fuse that you know is he's, unpredictable and i just i don't when you watch michael as a whole i just don't think he's those things not really yeah um so well another coping mechanism that we didn't touch on was is drinking that the show never like is there, but the show was like not really. Well, it's not even it's not even really there. Again, 
it comes down to you, we're supposed to get this image of Michael as angry, uh, you know, bitter guy with a drinking problem. I don't know. I don't, again, it just, it's more about showing versus telling. I, I, I just, again, they haven't really shown us very much. We saw him definitely, you know, we've seen him drink, but we haven't seen him drink nearly as much as you would think to to show that there's a problem, right? There's a way other, Liz, yeah. a lot more instances of sort of using alcohol to cope with whatever's going, you know what I mean? Like that's a lot more... I think we're just supposed to get that vision of him because he, you know, lives in a, an airstream and he's kind of dirty and kind of gross, you know. But I, I just, I, again, I think it's just one of those things that I don't, I don't, I don't accept when people say one of his coping mechanisms is alcohol or nail polish remover or whatever the fuck. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know necessarily accept that either because I don't think that there's enough of a buildup for that or enough of a, enough of it to really... Yeah prove that that's an actual problem coping me- coping mechanism that he has. Well, and I think that the, in particular, the acetone use was more of a self-prescribed painkiller more than a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy who's in chronic pain that he can't get any help for. It's not like he can go to the doctor and ask for, you know, for opioids, you know, for, he's obviously in horrific pain. I'm hesitant to call that a coping mechanism when he's just trying to get through his day, you know, and I would, I would say it's a necessary coping mechanism. Necessary like, coping. Okay. I can agree with to that. Just to, to, to be able to live his life, right? Mm-hmm. Like to be able to move, you know, to act, to be able to function totally mm-hmm. understandable. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird, I, I, again, it's, it, and this is all comes down to the show versus tell, which we've talked about a million times, but I think the vision, the, what we're supposed to think about Michael is not necessarily what they've shown. Also, I'm not super involved in the fandom at this point. It, could this be a case maybe of fanon interpretations coloring people's opinions? Because I've seen a lot in the past about Michael being an addict in, in fic and in like meta and stuff. Could that just be fanon coloring people's opinions? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it, it's so easy to think of Michael in these terms, right? It's so easy to think of him as like some damaged weirdo who lives out in an airstream and drinks his day away. That's an easy image you have where an Alex swoops in and saves him, right? Like that's an easy um, aspect of Michael to write into fic or into meta or in a fanon. But none of that is anything that we've actually seen. Like mm-hmm. Michael is actually multidimensional. He's actually very caring. He is very guarded and he is very bitter. But he doesn't sit around and drink his days away or numb his pain all the time. I don't think you could say he had like one spiraling episode in season two. I think it's easy to lose who these characters are when you're in fandom. I think it's very easy to, because if enough people write about something in fic, it's hard to know what the truth is, right? It's hard. To, it's hard to know, like if we collectively describe Michael in this way, then that's who he is. And that's not true at all. I mean, I think there's some things that you can always think for yourself and say, okay, I see this aspect of Michael. I think that he is angry. And you have your own way of explaining that to people. That's awesome. I don't have a problem with that. But I think when we get the character wrong and then that becomes widespread, that's where the issue is. Yeah. I think it's also very interesting that that's kind of what the other characters in the show tend to do with Michael they kind of you know you think back at season one and Mario was like you know sucks in a truck you know smells like a river whatever like that's early on and sometimes sometimes even in season two how people are used to seeing Michael I think the problem is is that we everything about Michael is built on those 10 years Right. we never saw, right? So they built all this characterization up of years that we're never going to see on screen and things that we're never going to experience. Not really. I mean, they've given us a few flashbacks, but not really of that lost time. So it comes down to you tell me like, well, in that 10 years, he became very bitter and very angry. And he drank a lot. Okay, well, you've shown me nothing of that in the in, in current time. Not really. 
if anything, he is very focused and very loyal and very like building a spaceship in his spare time in a, you know, in a cavern thing that he built under the earth. Like what? That's not, that's not what you do when you are a severe alcoholic with no, no guidance in your life, right? That's not what you do. You don't, you don't have a wall full of equations that make no sense to me when you are a fuck up and when you have no direction in your life. So I think the existence of all of that disproves that Michael is just a fuck up with no direction. So fuck yeah. off with that characterization because it's not true. Yeah. Um, I do want to get back to self-awareness um, with Michael when it comes to his trauma, his coping mechanisms, so on and so forth. Um, so I do think he is, they show him to be more self-aware than what we could think of him being in season one. Um, so, you know, he mentions a couple of times, you know, abandonment issues. He does it as a kind of a joke. But, you know, you know what, what that tells me is that at least he's aware that he has issues when it comes to that. Um, and that he's working on it. I mean, he talks about it with Isabel. He talks about it with Maria. Um, he's aware that these issues influence the way that he relates to people, like how he, you know, connects to people and, you know, his dynamic, his relationship with Maria. Maria in particular, I'm saying this because it's like the romantic relationship in, in the season and where we see most of it. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to see him be, you know, admitting to some of the issues that he that he has because it gives more depth to the character, I think. Let's move on to relationships. Woo. <laughs> the least excited people have been. I think I, that's funny. Sorry, Sarah and I looked dead inside when you said relationships. Okay, let's try again. Relationships. Woo! Okay, good. So, obviously, um, I mean, we've done recaps, so we know, you know, the big points. Um, most of Michael's relationships in season two was covered by um, my, uh, Maria and Alex, right? Um, which I don't want to focus on a lot because we've talked about my Luca and we will talk about Malix. So let's move on to the other ones. Um, so his siblings, we did, again, we did a family episode, so we did cover it. Um, I think Isabel and Michael is one of the best dynamics on the show. And Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. They do such good things for one another. They balance each other out. They give each other... They're just so much more understanding with one another than what I think Max is. And I get, this isn't a dig against Max. It's just who he is. I think he's very reactive and very much driven by, okay, well, there's a problem. I'm going to just dive headfirst into fixing it, which not to say that's good or bad, but sometimes you just, you don't need that. You just need some somewhere to be, to exist, to tell people things and to just get, get support. And I think Michael and Isabel give each other that far more than, than what Max than what Max gives to either one of them. Isabel and Michael are more of a sibling relationship than I think, maybe with the exception of Liz and Rosa, than any other relationship on the show. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, there's there's other ones that we have potential for, like you know Charlie and Jenna and all that. But absolutely, I look forward to their scenes. Like I like when I know that they're coming together, you know, that the scene, um, was it out on the reservation where they had that scene where they were out sitting in the desert? It might've been at Max's house. I don't remember. But like, I remember that scene starting and I was like, yes, because I just know that the Isabel and Michael scenes are going to be good. And I think that it's, a lot of it is Vlamis and Lily's chemistry and then just both how, how strong they are as actors. But that relationship feels more natural, feels more familial than than anything with Max and they just they listen and they understand and Michael will listen to Isabel just so she has somebody to talk to rather than I think that and I agree with Amanda that it's not a bad thing but Max is listening to you but at the same time he's thinking about how he's going to fix it instead of really listening to what you're you're saying yeah I agree 
Um, and then Michael and Isabel go to go to the gay bar together. Anyway, go on. That's my that. You know what? That's the anon that ha- had the question of hopes for Michael in season three. I want him to go to the gay bar with Isabel. Anyway, I wanted to wingman Isabel. Yeah, or be wingmaned, wing womaned by Isabel. Or <laughs> yeah, like wing people. I don't know what's going wing on. People. Um, <laughs> um, wing people. <laughs> So anyway, Michael and Max. Oh God, Jesus Christ. Um, so in season one, I think everybody knows by now that this was my least favorite dynamic possibly. Because every single time I was like, Michael is right and Max just sh- please shut up, Jesus. Um, but in season two, I'm just realizing, just thinking about scenes, they didn't have that many scenes. No. Season one, Michael and Max at least had dimension, had, mm-hmm. you, even if you disagree, and even if I think Max treated him like shit most of the time, there was, there was a lot of dimension there. There was um, potential for exploring that dynamic in season two, and then it died. And well, then we were, yeah, we were robbed. Just... We were robbed by Max being dead for the first, what? how many ever so ever many episodes he was dead and then by the time he came back it had all been swept under the rug like we were robbed of some prime scenes with them dealing with what happened we're just gonna forgive max because he nearly died that's that's it doesn't matter it's cool he he, or he died or whatever the fuck whatever um so michael's just gonna forgive it's cool everything's cool they're good like okay that was what a fucking lazy writing like you built up this entire dynamic of butting heads all of season one max being biphobic as fuck not understanding michael as a human being alien whatever but having all of this potential to really confront and have this relationship that could be complicated but you know has a lot of depth and now it's just everything's fine what was well, the and that that ties into this very real issue that we have in our world where shitty fucking people die rush limbaugh and all of a sudden you can't you can't speak ill of them you can't call them out for who they are and what they are and no they might be dead but they're still shitty people did you just equate max with rush limbaugh you are yes i did you are going to lose the last bit of fandom that you (laughs) ever had Um, maybe two people okay nobody likes me i'm fine it's fine this opinion is not held by Queer Alien Blast. That opinion <laughs> only by Sarah. She's not wrong, but I'm not brave enough to say it. I'm not equating Rush Limbaugh with Max. I know, Evans. I know, I know, I know. God! I know, I know. It was just funny because when you said it, I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> That's not, I know what you mean though. I do, I, I, I do agree that it becomes this sort of rose colored glasses that you, which is normal. You know, I've had people that have died and, I don't ever think it's a bad times because what's the point, you know? And and, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably part of it with um, Max is their family. And so I think when he was dead or whatever, you know, Isabel's mm-hmm. certainly never going to look back on anything negative. And I think that Michael feels, I would assume it feels like that's counterproductive. Like what's the point of. Yeah. The- oh, you definitely idealize somebody that ha- has passed on. I mean, like, you know, my mom passed a year ago do I focus on the the negative aspects of our relationship and the negative things things that she she did of, of course not you right. know but the whole thing with Michael just kind of like being whatever it's fine Max is great because he's come back is it's infuriating it's yeah. like he followed through with that thing which I don't know if any of you have ever been through this that whole like oh if this if this thing happens or doesn't happen, I swear I'll go to church, right? Or I'll mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be a better person or I'll do any of this. And then it happens and Michael's following through with it. It's like, you don't yeah, have to do thing, that. The thing it's okay. Kyle says, you know, the, what is it? Waiting room bargaining? Oh, waiting, bargaining? yeah, waiting room bargaining, yeah. yeah. I just feel like we could have had that. Like you could have Michael doing this, this waiting room bargaining, which is okay. natural. And have him want to turn over a new leaf in his relationship with Max and still address the past issues. That's the point, right? It's not all or nothing. You can say, 
here, here it is. Here's the scene we could have had. Max wakes up. Michael says, you know, I'm glad that you're here. I, you know, I'm, I even, even show him the most vulnerable. You know, I never really appreciated what we had before. I really want to build a new relationship now that we have a new, you know, a new chance to, to be a family, blah, blah, blah. But then actually talk about the things, the issues that caused the problems in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nothing was solved you're just going to start all over it's just the cycle of that nothing happened yeah. you can't if you are in a situation in a dynamic with someone that is fraught with drama or tension and you just randomly decide okay all's forgiven it's not like that goes away it's just going to show in a different form it's just going to that bitterness is still there it's yeah the next time that max does something to michael it's just going to come back and he's going to be like, well, you've never been there for me. You've always done A, B, and C to me because that's what happens when you bottle stuff up. Yeah. And all Michael does is bottle stuff up. Yeah. And the way that the show resolved it was um, they had Michael, you know, try to bring back Max and then had the whole scene of Michael talking basically to himself. Um, and then... Michael and Max basically don't interact for the rest of the season. So it's like, yeah, we didn't we didn't resolve these issues, but it's because they didn't interact. And that's like, that's kind of the problem. I'm waiting for us to get a tweet or something that says, oh, they had that conversation between yeah. such and such episodes. No, they didn't. I, I would remember that, okay? That's the thing I would remember. Anyway, um, let's move on because otherwise I'll just run my tongue on how much I Max. Um, so the other points that I had for relationships was Michael and Liz, which I love as a dynamic. I think they're hilarious. I think that um, Mike, uh, Vlamis and Janine have amazing chemistry. Also, I'm bisexual and they're so hot. Um, I also think that they have similarities. They're the same person. Right. Thank you. I'm not the only person that thinks that. I'm glad because like the first half of the season, like the way they deal with wanting to bring Max back is the exact same. And I love that. They're obsessive problem solvers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they probably working together, I imagine bring out both the best and the worst in each other. And I really love that dynamic. So I hope we get more of it. I like, I like them being science bros. Yes. yes. The best part of the show. Well, um, one of the, I would say one one of the best dynamics you could ever watch is just they. It's not only their chemistry because you can tell that they genuinely you know care about each other as humans like Vlamis and Janine like all of that, but it's also their characters just work so well together because it's truly like a kinship. They're both really good at avoiding things. They're both really good at distracting themselves. They're both really good at coping mechanisms to deal with all of their stuff. Now they have different, you know, very different histories of, and what I don't want to do before anybody yells at me <laughs> is equate a woman of color with a white girl. That's not what I'm trying to do. That's not what I would say when they're the same person. She has had her own struggles very much rooted in her race, but the way that they deal with the world at large and the way that they deal with things and who they are and their, you know, their wit and their, their intelligence, all of that is very, very similar. Yeah, I agree. So then um, we've talked about the biggest dynamics. I don't think there are any other big, big dynamics with Michael. Um, the ones that I do want to mention that we didn't get nearly enough of, you guys know I love it, is Michael and Kyle. We I mean, I'm always one. here for Kyle having more scenes. I mean, we've we've all complained several times that we don't buy most of these people as friends because they never hang out. Yeah. Like, I think Michael and Kyle could be good friends if they were ever in the same room. Yeah. Um, real quick, Michael and Jenna, we're bisexual. We get it. And then you just mentioned um, Rosa basically did not get to interact with a lot of people, much less Michael, which to me it's insane because Michael is one of the three aliens that put Rosa right. in that fucking car which you know I get it you know Isabel was the one that actually killed her via Noah etc etc right. um, that makes that makes sense that's the you know that makes sense that that would be the focus but the other two were there and just as much a part of it 
you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to spend time talking about, you know, whether it was justified and what they did or whatever, you know, bad choices were made, whatever. But no, we don't even get one scene. Did Michael and Rosa ever appear in a scene together? No, I don't think so. Oh, that one with Maria where Rosa was asleep. Yeah. And the hospital maybe in, you know, when they were doing the surgery. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So it was with Max and all of that, but not, but there was no discussion. There was no talking. There was no nothing. And like, and don't you think that Michael would be really interested in finding out more about Rosa's powers after she is the one who brought Mike, my, uh, Max back to life? Like, knowing Michael, I, he would have like cornered her immediately and been like, explain. Yeah, I mean, it's insane to me that Michael, in a lot of ways, is not, you know, he, in a lot of ways, I don't think that the show really includes him in the reactions of what that meant. A little bit it did with Liz in season one. But then it all falls to Isabel, obviously, again. And then, you know, Rosa has all those scenes with Max, partly because of the nightmares. And, you know, obviously with Max, because Liz is with Max and she's in love with him and justifies what happened, so on and so forth. But I don't think that's a good reason to ignore the fact that Michael was there as well and made that decision along with Max. So. Let's move on to sexuality. We're going to do this. Okay. So we went on a tangent <laughs> with the trauma. So we already covered the fact that we kind of want them to explore or to let Michael externalize his feelings a little bit more with regards to sexuality. And I don't mean, I don't necessarily mean in like he needs to date 300 dudes or whatever. I just mean it in a being queer doesn't end at identifying as such you know there's there's a eh, okay let me rephrase that it doesn't you don't necessarily need to show him to have a lot of relationships with different people because he already identified and that's one thing another thing is experiences when it comes to not being in a relationship, but what is an experience of, of existing as a queer person. Right. I will agree with that. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. No, it makes, that makes more sense. Because for a second I was like, um, but I think it makes sense because being whatever label that you consider yourself, whatever makes you feel comfortable, there is a certain lived experience for, you know, depending on who you are and where you live and what your life has been like. And it is going to deviate from what the heterosexual white male experience is. And so I think that that is something that would be, would behoove Roswell to explore, right? I mean, I think that that's, that's ample, um, material for really talking about what being queer is rather than just having queer characters and saying look we have a bisexual guy isn't that cool they're the most under one of the most underrepresented groups on television and they're demonized and they're villainized and that's great awesome michael saying bisexual fucking phenomenal fantastic glorious great bi rep especially for men but i think to give him depth and to show more to his character is is even better by rep. You know, right. like that that is to give to give it some well-roundedness of saying, okay, how do we explore what that means? You've said it, then no matter what you do for the rest of your life, that you are queer and you are who you are, and that's great. But what does that mean? Like what is what does that mean at the world at large? Like and, and and especially where they live or who they are, you know, that's where I think that I want to see it. And it doesn't have to be this like huge, massive thing, but he, I do think he needs to talk about it. I think he and Isabel can have a conversation in, you know, have a conversation with one another other than the one that we got in the, in the wild pony, which was cute, but you're telling me that if you come out and say that you're bisexual and live that life and that's who you are, and then your sibling, when you're almost 30, has this realization of, okay, maybe I'm not as straight as I was. Are you telling me that your only reaction would be to clink beers with one another? Yeah. If my sister called me right now and said, I 
think, you know, I went home with a woman, I would go, what the fuck? And I would run to her house because yeah. that is not the vision of who I thought she was and who I've known her to be. So I need more than just like, hey, welcome to the party. Well, and I'd like to see so- something similar with him being more open and public, which it, on whatever level that Michael, the character is comfortable with, Alex, the character is comfortable with, whatever. I, I hate this phrase. I hate it. I hate it. But so we have basically, there's this idea. It's that Michael has presumably publicly only been with women in the 10 year gap between the flashbacks and the current show. Mm-hmm. Because Isabel didn't know, Max didn't know. I would like to see Michael be more open because he, for the past 10 years, is what would, a lot of people would consider straight passing. Mm-hmm. And I hate, I hate that phrase. It really bugs me. But, yeah, but, but, but I mean, to the anyone looking in, there'd be no reason to think that Michael is anything other than straight. Right. Not that I think you can really look at anyone and know their sexuality right off the bat. But I would agree that most people in you know in that in their version of Roswell would look at Michael and say, okay, you know, just I mean, why wouldn't you? Because mm-hmm. that's our it's heteronormativity, right? Like you mm-hmm. just assume that everyone is straight, um, and we're taught to sort of assume everyone's straight, and then if they're not, that's the deviation, right? But I would agree. But the, you're drawing a we have a fine line of you don't have to prove it to be queer. You just have you know you it can mean whatever you want it to mean but again it comes down to okay but how do we move past now that he's identified how do we talk about it on television which is a visual medium how do we actually have explore that representation and what that means other than incessantly having him talk about being bisexual which i would be fine with but how do we visually tell that and how do we incorporate that as part of who he is that he's comfortable with that if people found out he wouldn't be ashamed of which is why there there's a big difference between being bisexual in real life you know and being bisexual representation in a tv show right like there's not some minimum that you have to you have to date this many men this many women you know anything in between to be bisexual it's different when it's representation on a TV show. But I guess here's my my only thing, and I, I agree, I understand, you know, we've got to figure out a way to navigate what that representation means. Um, I just, I, I hesitate to say that I need to see something on screen because I just, I just, how many times has a bisexual person heard that? It, you know, you haven't proven it to me or I've never seen you with someone of the same sex or whatever it may be. And so if, would feel so hypocritical for me to say but I need to see Michael with another man or I need to see you know like I I get it and I do get it we need to explore what this means as Michael as a character but I can't sit here and say I need for him to do this or that or be whatever because that's if someone said that to me or you know exploring that idea as a whole for all bisexual or pansexual people I would be pissed off so I don't really know. I exist in this. I don't know what I want. I just want Michael to be comfortable in whatever that means for him and to be able, and, and a lot of it comes down to, I think a lot of my issues would be solved if, if Michael and Alex could just be able to exist out in the world together. I don't really, you know, it doesn't have to be another guy, whatever. I don't care who it is, but it would be that if we get Michael and Alex as an actual couple, I would like for them to be able to exist out in public and show that to me. That would, that would, that's all I really need. I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, when you say it's a very thin line, I think with saying that a character, you know, having a character identify, but saying, you know, and giving a representation and then having to, you know, balance that with, but you don't need to show all of these relationships or it's matter or whatever. And that's why I think, like for me, it's more about life experiences than not relationships. Like we just said, having a scene about, you know, him talking about straight passing, quote unquote, that might be a conversation that is um, possible to have on the show. It would be very interesting and, you know, I think uh, important to have on the show. So I, I think there are a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there are ways to incorporate that because I'm thinking like 
you have that with Alex or thinking about um, say Liz and Rosa and Maria and conversations about race and how they shape their character and their or their experience of the world so I think sexuality for Michael could be a similar thing you know it's not something that has to be you know his only character trait well because I mean the only way to normalize something is to show it on in our media and but not make it this grotesque, like something to laugh at or to, you know, that pokes fun at anyone to just exist, to just be, you know, that's how you is just where it doesn't become the, the, what I would want, what I would not want from the show is that the end all be all about Michael is that he's bisexual. Right. That's, it. Yeah. that's all who he is. You know, that's just the bisexual cowboy. And that's, a, that's all we know of him. Cause I don't think that that's, that's not that's gross I don't want that because then that's just like every you know every show ever has like you know the the gay best friend and the the gay sidekick and like okay so I think with again I don't know how a show like Roswell that you know that though we like it is not great at subtlety and 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 just sort of letting someone explore something um the, the show isn't good at subtlety quickly our hopes for season three I have not thought about it a lot I have to say like I have not been in the mindset to think about season three hopes hope specifically for Michael yeah yeah I want him to be single for the whole season mm-hmm. yeah I don't want that but that's very cute <laughs> um I do want do I want um I want a, a slower bill you know I want Here's my fear. What I don't want, of course, what I want at the end of the day is I want Michael and Alex to learn to be in a relationship with one another. Are they in that position right now? No. Is there hope for them? Yes. What I don't want to happen is that we go through the entire season, they get together right at the very end, and then it's fucking over. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get to enjoy any... Oh, wait, they have a season four. I was going to say, but we know okay. that they're going to get season okay. four. In my brain, I was talking about season four. Yes. But he can be single for a while, but I do want Michael and Alex, I want to see scenes together this season at some fucking point where we move past the mold of conversation that we had in season two. I don't want to hear any of those conversations anymore. We heard the same conversation 15 times. So what I want is Michael and Alex to move past that, discover themselves in a whole different dynamic, and then get together and be happy forever. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to be friends. I want them to build a friendship. Like actual this friends. Like actual Real friends. friends. That's fun. But I want I you know, I wouldn't mind them getting together a little bit before the end of the season. Um, do I think it's gonna happen? No, that's just my hope. But I the only my only hope for Michael, my like I have zero expectations. My only hope for Michael is that he and Isabel talk about sexuality a little bit, that there is some exploration of what that means. And yeah. I want Michael, I want jealous Michael, and I don't give a shit what kind of hypocrite that makes me. I want, if Alex and Forrest, if they're gonna be together, if that's what's something I have to sit through, at the very minimum, I do want some jealous Michael. Especially if he's single, I mean, Mm -hmm. that will make more sense than when he was supposed to be jealous when he was with Maria. Like he can have this, this mindset that he seemed to have at the end of season two where like, Alex and I are inevitable, but it's not going to work right now. We, he can have that mindset and still not want to watch Alex with somebody else. And exactly. Like, we can have both. Which was the mindset with, that we all thought Alex was going to have in season two, so I don't know how that's going to go, but, um, you know, whatever. My only, my real only hope for Michael in season two, in season three, sorry, is that he gets to work on himself a little bit more and be a little more selfish I guess you could call it I don't but not necessarily that I think a, a little more introspection would be good for Michael in season three. Oh, another hope is something music related I want he and Alex to do something music related at the end of the season to tie all three seasons together mm-hmm. right. um, that would be lovely like writing a song or performing together like whatever that means but I would like to see Michael play music again if if we're going to exist in this world where his hand got healed we're never going to deal with that it is what it is now 
at the very minimum, what we could get out of that is seeing him go back to music as a way to calm himself and the way to center himself. If, if we're going to, then, then I think that maybe part of the way that he can heal from what Max did to him or what happened in general, if we're not going to really talk about it, maybe music could be that for him. And also maybe Alex, I don't know. I would like an acknowledgement, even small or in passing, like just in ra random conversation with Alex that Michael knows that song is about him. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, mention of the song again would be wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so that was chaotic. Well, and I, I do want to, a note for everyone listening, is that I know we haven't been consistent on, on posting episodes because, you know, life gets in the way, things get chaotic. Um, I would like to say that we could get back to, until the show premieres, back to monthly episodes, you know, get mm -hmm. back into some sort of rhythm um, rather than going, I don't even know how long between episodes, we will get back to some sort of schedule and then re-figure out what we're going to do when the, when the season starts, if we're going to go back to weekly or whatever, but we, you know, we'll let you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that was our Michael episode. Sorry for it was a little bit chaotic. I was a shitty moderator this time around, but yeah, you can always find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Queer Alien Blast. Um, and you can always send us our, our questions and we will let you know when and on what our next episode will be. Thank you guys. Thanks guys. Thank you.